Thanks for checking out this weekly Sunday message from Carrollton UMC. We pray that God will use this to speak to you and help you grow in faith. We invite you to join us this Sunday at our 10.30 a.m. one-hour service in person at our location in Uptown New Orleans or live online on our YouTube channel or Facebook page. To learn more about Carrollton, please visit carrolltonumc.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Our scripture this morning comes from the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. And it more or less picks up in time where we left off last week after the resurrection. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Through the doors, Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The word of God for us, the people of God, let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable to you in all ways, for all you are our rock and our ever-present Redeemer. Amen. It, it was really good to see everybody last Easter, uh, last Sunday and Easter Sunday. In fact, where are the rest of those folks who are here? Would somebody go out and give them a call? Let's see where they are. You know, last week we worked like heck with ourselves and with guests who were here to avoid Easter becoming cliche or trite where the meaning of Easter gets lost in the celebration much in the manner that we find ourselves over the years at Christmas saying what? Got to keep Christ in Christmas like that should be a thing. And we determined in part last week that Easter is in no way an ordinary event in large part because it's not about our world it's about God's world. Easter, we said, is about a God who creates a way when there was no way, who makes war on evil until evil is undone, who raised Jesus from the dead to show us 
who is in charge here. We also decided last week, I think, that when we fully and truly comprehend what happened on Easter and acknowledge the resurrection and the impact of the resurrection, the world can never be the same for us because once the resurrection occurs, then all the things that Jesus said before that in his lifetime, all of those promises, like the promise of eternal life, turn out to be true. Now, that's two sides of a coin, right? Coin, right? I mean, one side where Easter is just some holiday, and the other side, which is so powerful and so important and so impactful that we may have a tendency to experience a level of overwhelm where we say, did that just really happen? Which is why the week after Easter, this Sunday, is so vital for all of us to cement home the fact that, indeed, that just really happened. The Easter gospel message last week, we said, began right after Jesus had arisen from the dead. He had passed over entirely from death into life, and the stone was rolled away, and it provided the opportunity now for the disciples to follow the resurrected Jesus. Yet the empty tomb and the angels, it's just not enough for the disciples to follow Jesus resurrected. So they're in their own tombs. They're kind of in their own lockdown of grief and guilt and despair and doubt. And maybe just some straight-up denial about the resurrection and the whole experience they had just had with Jesus. So Jesus makes it a point to go to the disciples and make them partakers of his resurrection and thereby delivering them from doubt to faith, from grief to joy, from despair to hope. But the Apostle Thomas, well, the Scripture tells us he wasn't there on the evening when Jesus first appeared to the disciples. And he won't believe what the disciples are telling him. Eleven guys saying, or ten guys, we just saw Jesus resurrected. He's like, you're kidding me, right? He won't believe what they're telling him. And he expresses his doubt this way. He says, except that I see his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. One writer suggested that that was a bit of hyperbole from Thomas, you know, obvious exaggeration. And it may have been because of the annals of be careful what you ask for. Jesus straight up tells Thomas, go ahead, check it out. Whereupon the scripture doesn't really tell us exactly what happens, but strongly suggests that once Thomas saw the nail holes in Jesus' hands, he thereafter didn't actually place his hands into all of the more substantial wounds. Now, over the years, the sermons about Thomas have been in large part geared at sparing Thomas from the negative connotation of the doubting Thomas name. Indeed, from what we know of Thomas, he was not an extraordinarily skeptical person. He was a very dialed-in disciple, but he seemed to have a little bit of a pessimistic outlook. Yet this unbelief is something that Jesus feels like he has got to tackle because Thomas is one of the 12. He's one of the disciples who is going to go out and share the message of the resurrection to share in that apostolic mission. And Thomas can't possibly do that if he doesn't believe in the resurrection. So this Sunday, when the disciples and Thomas are all gathered up in that room, and Jesus comes to them again, the scripture says he comes to them in peace, which is important. It said that too when he visited with the disciples first. 
because it seems like Jesus could have come to the disciples uh, with anger and wrath after all the things that had been done to him and said, go out and wage war on my behalf or do something like that. But Jesus comes gently and he deals with Thomas according to Thomas's need, according to Thomas's weakness, which is exactly like the son of God we've come to know who came into the world and took on human form while being completely human and all God at the same time and allowed that body to be scourged and crowned with thorns and crucified and placed into a tomb. That's an astonishing humility. One writer called it a gracious con- condensation. No, that's right, condescension. <laughs> I did that right. Gracious condescension. And that should be an example to all of us. And even after Jesus overcomes all of that terrible stuff, victory over sin and victory over death is won, Jesus nonetheless has to ad- uh, address a doubting disciple. That sounds like us, right? In the same body, Jesus does it, that was just gone through all of those things, had been risen from the dead, has the wounds from the last several days all the way through the crucifixion. This is no doubt powerful stuff that's being presented to Thomas, but perhaps what's most powerful about this is the manner in which Jesus is presenting this in the form of a humble servant. And it's very effective. I would say this is much more effective than if Jesus told Thomas just to look, believe it and get your act together. Thomas, Jesus says, is blessed to have seen and believed. But then Jesus says, blessed are those who have believed but who have not seen, who believe simply on the word of the eyewitness testimonies like that of the apostles of whom Thomas is now an eyewitness member as well as the church's witness to Jesus. You see, the church is the historical successor to the apostles which by function of more historical succession becomes your witness to other people about Jesus. Your witness that Jesus died for everyone, for all people, and was resurrected based on history. And that apart from faith alone that that occurred, in that very manageable set of facts, we cannot be justified. We cannot be saved. Our sins will not be canceled, which is why we as Christians need to keep those facts about the resurrection at top of our minds and keep sharing those facts with other people. We live in a time right now where people are super skeptical, although paradoxically the same people are dissimilarly uncritical about what that skepticism does to us and to society. I used to love from my philosophy classes at at UNO professor would say, be skeptical about everything, including skepticism. In the context of that skepticism, people who reject the resurrection and therefore reject Jesus, and to be clear, there is no partial acceptance of who Jesus is if you reject the resurrection. Folks who reject the resurrection seldom bother to rationally examine the historical evidence in scripture for the resurrection. But we want more. We want the most indisputable proof, some of us will say. Just like Thomas, we want the physical proof. 
But even the most advanced scientist, and we have some scientists in the room, usually begin with postulate, postulates and hypotheses and theorems. The scientists cannot possibly prove those theorems and postulates unless they actually have some belief, level of belief in those. They can't begin to pursue the science unless they have some belief in those so that they can allow in more evidence on the topic. So maybe in the matter of truth, it works this way. It's the opposite of seeing something physical as believing that Thomas has demanded. Instead, only by believing in Jesus will we be able to see more and more about Jesus. Like Thomas said, or like Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, but have still believed. So today, the week after Easter, even after the earthquake of Easter and all of the scriptural proof thereof and the eyewitness accounts that are reported to us, we may individually still be suffering with our own spiritual lockdown of self-imposed guilt and grief and pessimism and skepticism and doubt. So let's do this. Let's make it a point going forward to stay focused on the resurrection of Jesus and the historical accountings of that and allow the possibility of belief where we might otherwise doubt and pray that the risen Jesus will come to each of us in peace. He says he will do that to deliver us from doubt to faith because that is the most critical piece Scripture doesn't say not whosoever tries to be a good person or even succeeds in that. But instead, the most critical piece says whosoever believes in Jesus as Lord and Savior will not perish, but will have eternal life. Jesus said that. Whereafter, Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Jesus also said that would occur. Therefore, there should be no doubt what Jesus said about our own salvation and our own eternal life is also true. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, you've laid out in Scripture history and the entire case for the resurrection and our salvation. Lord, don't let the passage of time be the dividing line between being able to read and understand that scripture and 2,000 years later saying, well, that's old stuff. We don't believe in it. Lord, help us to be good students of the word, to be students of the history of the scripture, the history of the Christian faith, and the history of the events that took place at Easter, Lord, so that we can not only make that a part of our fabric, and understand and believe, but be able to articulate that to other people in this world that needs Jesus in such a tremendous way. Lord, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.